Welcome, Seekers of Truth, coming to you from the edge of the known universe, better known as the Granite State, home of Betty and Barney Hill. Through the magic of electronic alchemy, a portal to another dimension has opened. You are about to make a metaphysical connection. This is the Fedora Chronicles Network. Walt Schnabel and I, Eric Render King Fisk, talk about Somewhere in the Skies, a human approach to alien phenomenon by our future guest, Ryan Sprague. Then we discuss the news about the search for Malaysian Flight 370 being called off, telling ghost stories, and more. All coming up next on the Metaphysical Connection, episode 83. Thanks for listening. Stay tuned. So, ladies and gentlemen, we were supposed to have Ryan Sprague on the show today to talk about his latest book, uh, Somewhere in the Skies by Ryan Sprague, which is aptly aptly named. And he talks about, um, obviously, trying to figure out what is what what's going on with all of this these ufos or unexplained aerial phenomenon and because of a personal emergency he couldn't be on the show but we thought that we would start the show today by talking about that talking about his book and how you can get a hold of it so at least our listeners can be you know ready get to get the pump primed for when he comes on the show after he um settles his his issue that he has and we wish him the best of luck we hope that whatever is wrong, he's able to fix it and he's come back to the show. So, and of course, Walt has a ton of notes that he's he's going to he's going to put somewhere on his desktop so we won't le- lose it and for when he comes on the show. So, so or, so or at least keep or at least keep my yellow pad that I read on. Oh, see, Walt is <clears throat> Walt is I'm, one of the I'm, a, I'm still a dinosaur. I still make notes on yellow pads. He has I don't know, I I'm telling you and I saw this, I couldn't believe it. I I felt like I was like looking at you know, um, Madame Trousseau's Wax Museum. It, I'm telling you, with Walt and his. Not yellow, talking about me, are you? <laughs> Walt, Walt, <laughs> Walt looks like. And here, here on this display here, we have an an ancient psychologist with his with his patient and his yellow pad. <laughs> and it was just like Walt. Walt does look like he's from a different place in time. I look like a. Well, thanks, sir. Thank you, Eric. I feel like Appreciate a. You know that I'm just saying. Hey, you know any any little comedy just to just to get the show going, but the thing is, is like. And, and you're right. You're right. That is very little comedy. <laughs> <laughs> My mother used to say that I am very funny, but looks aren't everything. <laughs> yeah, that's that's pretty close, Eric. So, so what's the story with his book? And and why were we excited to have him on the show, and why we're looking forward to having him on? Well, um, the way I found out about it was um, Walter Bosley, who was who's been a past guest on our show. He's been on a couple times now. Who who we we respect greatly because of his work. Um, was a I'm not sure whether he was a speaker or at least a very least an attendee at um, a conference in Nova Scotia. Right which is not too far from where I live now. Unfortunately, I didn't make plans to go. Um, 
and uh, Ryan Sprague was, I, bl- well, I believe, was a speaker at that conference. Yeah. So on the way home from the conference, Walter Bosley posted um, a picture of of Ryan's book. Um, I guess he had purchased it at the at the conference, yeah. and he was recommending it to his to his audience. Yeah. Um, so I got kind of interested in it, and I started started looking at it. And I actually contacted Ryan on Facebook, and he was kind enough to get right back to me, and we scheduled a show for today. Um, and then he had an extreme emergency that came up last night. Right. So, uh, but he was kind enough to let us give us some notice so that we, you know, had time to make other plans, which we have done hurriedly, very hurriedly, actually. Uh, so his book is. Basic. I don't, I don't want to go too. How deeply do you want to go into it? Because you know we're still going to. He's going to reschedule the. This is something that I think that everybody is going to enjoy reading this summer. If you're looking for summer reading, get a hold of this copy. I think I think it's for sale. You can you can you can buy somewhere in the skies or was um, he? Yeah, he he was kind enough to send us a PDF right. of it so we could um, review it before. Let me put you on the spot here a little bit, Eric. But I know you don't mind that too yeah. much. What? Um, what intrigued you about the book? Why, why do you think our listeners sh- should pick it up and read it? What happens to the people who go searching for um, for answers? And the thing is, it, this is an impossible question to answer. And I think it has more to do with the fact of you're trying to do the impossible. And, and what kind of person does that? What kind of person says, oh, look, I know it sounds crazy. I know that some people think that this is nutty, but I'm going to do it anyway. And and for me, that's the thrust of it all. It's like it's it's not so much about, you know, trying to find answers in what's in the sky. It's more about find, finding answers within ourselves. Does that seem to make any sense? Mm-hmm. It does. And, and what actually for me, what really sets this book apart from the many books on UFOs um, is that he he really drills down beyond the sighting itself yeah or the encounter or whatever it is he's he's chronicling and he and he he does have different categories that of of encounters that he talks about um but what he to me it seems and when we get him on the show we can ask him but the inference that i drew from his writing is that um he's really trying to figure out what the human impact is yeah from from these encounters what how does it impact people um short term and and long term as well yeah Uh, many of the people talk about having um kind of almost a different viewpoint on their existence after after the encounter yeah um and it's it's more of a i mean it's it's certainly on an emotional level but it's also on a spiritual level as well, yeah. Um, which may be the real, true um, essence of, of what um, Ryan is trying to get across with yeah. this book. At least I think, anyway. Well, we'll, we'll find out when we when we actually interview him. The, but the, one of the people actually mentioned, and I, I found this quite interesting because we've talked about this subject um, ad infinitum almost on our on various shows. Is is the fact that people once once they've had this this encounter whether it's um just a visual encounter or if it's more of um you know a physical encounter say uh they're 
religion doesn't really work for them anymore. No. They, they, they kind of understand that that is just sort of a primitive mechanism that human beings um, use because they don't really understand the unknown. Yeah. So it's, it's, it's some way of giving them sort of a touchdown, you know, to, to make them feel less anxious about what they don't know. So if you can, you know, if you can ingrain yourself in some religion and get some satisfaction out of that. And, you know, again, if that's what people need to, you know, tonight i have no problem with that it's whatever you need you know yeah but but these people seem to to um be almost substituting what religion would would contribute for somebody's life to to this encounter sort of bring them to a, a higher level of consciousness whereas they're more in touch with their spirituality um and the fact that there is some higher consciousness and that the, these these encounters may be, in fact, um, encounters with agents of that consciousness on some level. Um, did did you draw that away from it, or I think the entire thing about his book is is sort of like, um, and the, the entire title of the book really sort of says itself. You mm-hmm. know, the entire title is "Somewhere in the Skies: A Human Approach to an Alien Phenomenon." And that's exactly what it is. It was just like, this does something to people's humanity. This does something to people on a level that I don't think that we're ready to talk about. And the thing is, is that and one of the we've talked about this aspect of abductees and what they have gone through and what they have experienced is that um, We've had people who've done research, you know, into this. We've talked about this. We've talked about the, the, the Harvard professor who was researching abductees. And he's like, can he realize this is a abductees are come from a vast swath of Dr. Dr. Mack, Dr. John Mack. Yeah, Dr. John Mack and the research he did. And the thing is, is that he was looking at why are all these people crazy? And they're thinking that they are think that they've been abducted. What's the common denominator? And then he sort of realized, no, I don't, I, I, I don't think that they're crazy. I, I don't think that they're crazy. I think that there's something to this. And I think a lot of people are starting to stop, stop looking at the kook factor of it all. Mm-hmm. And start honestly looking at what's going on as a point of maybe this is something that's happening. Maybe this is a phenomenon where people are actually being either abducted or they're visited in the middle of the night and they're given some kind of a message. And it's like once we start looking at these people who they actually these people, there are people who actually have physical evidence of some kind of molestation. It's like Mm -hmm. implants and stuff like that. How do you explain the implants? Did you uh, did you read the section on the people who um, actually experience some kind of um, medical procedure? Yes, you um, you talk the, about the one that. I found extremely interesting was a, there was a young girl named um, I believe her name was Shane, um, and <clears throat> she was abducted as a as a fairly young girl, and and was aware of. Um, having been experimented upon yeah um you know she had a she actually had a burn mark yeah on her on her body uh and it wasn't until much later on in her life when she 
Um, well, she she was having um, problems along the way with her with her menstrual cycle. Yeah, not not getting her menstrual cycle on a regular basis. Um, so she always kind of wondered whether you know that was connected to this um, supposed experimentation that had been done with her. I think she was. I'm not. I'm. I'm thinking her age was like about twelve or thirteen when the original thing happened. Maybe it was a little younger. I'm not sure. If Brian was here. He'd be able to tell us. Um, <clears throat> But that's not really that important. The, th- the thing is, when later on in life, she did um, apparently uh, become pregnant and um, had a normal child. However, when the doctor um, did a follow-up with her, I guess she, I don't know whether she had a, um, oh, no, she had a procedure done after the pregnancy, uh, like a tubal ligation or something like that. I'm not sure exactly what the what the exact thing was, but. But anyway, the doctor who performed the procedure um, <clears throat> talked to her and he said, asked her if she had, had ever had any internal work done, um, you know, with her reproductive system. And she said, no, you know, none that I know of. And he said, well, that's curious because one of your ovaries and, and a fallopian tube is missing. And it looks like it was um, done with a laser, with laser surgery. Um, and he said that I, in 25 years of practice, I've never seen anything like this. So he said, I just, I have no way to account for that. <clears throat> I guess luckily she was, you know, she still had a working ovary on the other, other side. On the other side, yeah. She was able to get pregnant and, and, you know, ended up having a, a normal child. So that we know of, um, that we know she, of. She said that she would frequently have dreams about her having a, with a baby that was not like completely human that it had like a real big bulbous head. And, and she always had this, and these are dreams now, or, or at least she thought they were dreams. She was positioning them as dreams. It seems like they were, but they could have been some kind of psychic experience too. I don't know. But she, she always had the sensation that the baby was sort of um, a hybrid that had been created and that it, was, it wasn't going to live. She, she was holding it, but she knew it was going to die. So, um, you know, that's... You know, I mean, you talk about needing physical evidence. Well, you know, when you have a, um, a gynecologist, I'm assuming. Yeah, some kind is, of a doctor. Is, is the guy who did the surgery or whatever was done on her. Um, has never seen anything like that in 20. I mean, if he was right out of the gate, maybe. But, you know, the guy's been practicing 25 years. He's seen a lot of, you know, internal organs in surgery that's been done. And he had never seen anything like that. Yeah. That's a little curious, don't you think? What, not, just a little curious? But, <laughs> I'm, I'm being a little bit facetious, but, but yes, this, very, this is, very curious. This is one of the issues that I have with mainstream media and mainstream science, where you have people who have these stories, and you can back this up. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and I, you know, Ryan is probably a really good writer. He's excellent. He's excellent. an excellent well, he's, writer. He's actually a screenwriter. Okay. He's got credentials as a screenwriter. So he, um, you know, one of the one of the really good things about this book is it's it's created um, each each of these episodes is is really like a little story. Yeah. You know, um, and and when you know when we do finally interview him, we can uh, we can talk to him about how he how he chose these people and and what you know what kind of set them apart from the you know at this point there's you know what would you guess how many types of stories that people come 
come through with how many do you think there are thousands yeah tens of thousands at yeah. this point there's there's uh, there's a lot there there is a there's a lot going on there mm-hmm. and it was just like you listen you keep reading these stories over and over and over again you keep reading these stories about these people who um have these experiences and yeah of course they do sound somewhat familiar and is it could it be that people's imaginations are being fueled by things that they hear or watch or see on tv and then all of a sudden it's like you know they have this idea in their head that they are they experienced something where they've been abducted i mean i have had sort of experiences and i and i'll be honest with i want them explained away I don't want to be the crazy guy who says, hey, when I was five years old, there was a big, huge, bright light that, you know, shined in my room. It freaked everybody out, but we were all paralyzed. People were walking around our apartment. After a couple of minutes, they up and left. I would love to believe that that is just a weird dream, a very vivid, scary dream that I had as a kid. But the thing is, is that who, who dreams who dreams about waking up in the middle of the night and having an experience like that? Mm-hmm. Who dream, who dreams about being in bed? Well, I mean, a lot of these, a lot of, a lot of these people in the book have that exact same experience. You know, um, let me ask you: Did on a personal basis, did that have any emotional impact on you? Or I've never experienced anything like that. Yeah, it did. I mean, the thing is that it was I mean, just I've like seen what, some things in the sky that I think were a little curious, but never had any real. Um, close encounters of of any kind. Um, not not that I haven't desired them, but um, it's just you know just hasn't been wasn't hasn't been my day. I guess. Uh, yeah, I mean, but, but it, you, know, it, you never know. It, you never know. It, it does. It, it. I mean, for me, I mean, it was like I was a young kid, and I would like to believe that it, it was just my ma- active imagination. But the thing is that it did spur an interest in me, I and mean, I was like, what four four or five years old when it happened and then all of a sudden a switch was flipped and i was uh, you know fascinated with the idea of space travel and what's beyond you know was beyond southern vermont as it were and it's a lot of a lot of experiencers that i have spoken to a lot of people just want to say i just want to believe it was just a vivid dream i don't want to believe that i was i don't think i am that special to have people come into my house in the middle of the night you know and and here's the question why would anybody want to travel you know from from one solar system to another solar system you know to date rape you essentially and that's what it does that's what it feels like to a lot of people it it feels like Mm -hmm. a violation it feels as if oh oh yeah clearly um however i don't think um and and I, i i have to believe that there's more than one alien race that's doing this and they have might have different agendas or different intentions i i do think it's some kind of medical um procedure yeah i I don't i don't think it's necessarily sexual in nature i think it's um although it does you know it does involve the reproduction system i think it's more of a study at least at least and and that's kind of what ryan um, sort of pointed out in this book too that it it, it seems more like um, you know us say say the human race taking a, a creature that we found that didn't we didn't know existed and and studying it in terms of how it reproduces and you know blah 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 much of right. what they probably did when they were categorizing all of the species at some point you know our you know our 
our scientific community did that at some point. They you know they figured out how things reproduce and right. what the what their biology is and what their anatomy is and and I I think it's more that. But um, to the person who it happens to, I'm sure that it feels you know like some kind of uh, you know yeah like being raped or being molested or being what whatever you know whatever heinous things can happen to people sexually right um even human to human um it probably feels like that and those things as we know all have huge um emotional right scars attached to yeah them. you know pe- people that are molested um that's that's a very difficult emotional baggage to get rid of yeah uh, <clears throat> and again a lot of these people don't really want to talk about this you know so they're holding it inside which which makes it even more difficult you know yeah. so yeah. people that you know as you know people who say that they've been abducted or even say that they see a ufo you know you, you take a lot of flack for that people say yeah you know I, like the the um the friend of mine who, who he, i went to high school with him and he's on he's got a we're friends on Facebook now, yeah. and anytime he mentions, we actually did an interview with him, Chico. Yes, Chico Crema, way, way, way back a ways. Um, but you know, anytime he puts something on the, his Facebook page about UFOs, at least half the replies are, you know, some kind of snide remark about, oh, well, it, yeah, um, either. Oh, it was probably just an airplane, or sure. you know, what are you? What have you been smoking? Or um, one guy put on there, um, oh, you just wanted the anal probe, you know, you know, stuff like that, you know. Right. I mean, I mean pretty, pretty ignorant responses. There's a know? reason um, why abdu- abductees do not like talking about this for this very well, same yeah. reason. This is the reason that's, why abductees do not like talking about it because people look I'm at them it. as yeah, if, oh, it's one of the reasons, but it's a, it's a huge, it's a huge reason. First of all. You have people who um, say to you, either it didn't happen, you're making stuff up because you want the attention. Like, look at what happened to Travis Walton. Travis mm-hmm. Walton had an experience where I said, yeah, was he fascinated with UFOs before this happened? Hell yeah. But the thing is that it was just like the way that he came back, the way that he he walked out of the woods after being abducted for a couple of days and it, and it was just like, what kind of sick person would would come up with that kind of a scheme for notoriety? And he didn't want to talk about it for ages. And it was, mm-hmm. you know, you look at what happened to him, and it's like, and when they finally, and when they finally make a movie about his story, they screw up the most important part. So why bother? Yeah, sure, I bet the money is good and all like that, but you also have a number of people who look at you with scorn and ridicule because you have the story about being abducted. And it was just like, Hey, you know, there are times I wish that I kept my mouth shut about some of the things that I've seen and I've experienced. And Mm -hmm. and a lot of people have that experience. And it's like, Ryan talks about this to some extent in his book. And it was like, I think that, listen, if, if this was like a masterclass, if masterclass was doing a series of, lessons on podcasting and and investigating the paranormal this would be a huge lesson that i would have is is like you know what be careful who you talk to and and be prepared because people are not going to like the fact that you talk about the paranormal because on the one hand 
It terrifies the hell out of them. There's the idea that somehow you are not in control of your life. You are a mere bystander or a passenger in this ride called life. You are not behind the wheel. I mean, you can take the wheel for a little bit. You can decide where you go to college or what you're going to have for lunch. But things will happen to you at random and you have no control over and they will take over an aspect of your life. That's it. And there are people who will ridicule you because you believe that something supernatural happened to you. That's just the nature of the beast. It's because they don't want their sense of control being shaken up. And then there's another well, thing. Yeah. It, 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 changes, it changes you as a human being. It changes mm-hmm. the way that you see the world, whether you want it to or not. It, you will suddenly wake up one morning and realize the, all the, the, the color spectrum will shift in one direction, in one tint or shade, in one direction or the other. It, it, it will change your life. And he writes about that in this book. So far, as much as what I've read so far, it it, it changes yeah, your life. Yeah, he does. He does. He makes it. I mean, it, it almost seems like um, that was a revelation that he, I mean, I don't know. And, and again, when we interview him, we can ask him to, you know, to fill in the blanks that we don't have since we, you know, we're not in his mind. But um, it did seem to me that one of his sort of revelations, I guess you could say, that came out of this work is the fact that it, it hit him that, you know, how much these events really impact people on, on a really deep level. Yeah. Deeper than just, oh, wow, did you see that? You know, and, and that might kind of stun you for a few minutes and then right. kind of move on to the next thing. This, it, it had a lot of carryover. It had a lot of, a lot of residual impact on people. Yeah. That um, is probably, at least for my money, one of the most important aspects of the book, because that's the real story, I think. That, you know, we, we all know that people see UFOs and we've, you know, we've read about the different shapes and what they do and how they take off, you know, in a blink of an eye and blah, blah, blah. And that's, yeah. that's cool. Yeah, yeah, I have to admit, that's cool. And, and I'd love to see one. But to me, the real interesting part is is the interface between these encounters and and our rate our you know the human race yeah what, what does that really mean what what does that mean for us um you know why are they you know they could be who knows how much in advance of us they are they could be it could be ten thousand years right you now uh, who knows how old a race this is that's you know if they have the technology to visit us you know they've got to be quite a bit more advanced since we don't have intergalactic tech capability or technology so you know so why are they here what you know why are they studying us is it is it like uh you know stopping off you know in a zoo to to see what kind of exhibits there are or or what is it you know i mean there's 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 those are the questions that um remain unanswered and and who knows if they ever will be i guess but um, maybe those are the big questions i have right now what's 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 behind this what's the intention what why do they not reveal themselves to us you know those are all things that um you know are are at this point not answered in, in my mind anyway yeah and i think the other aspect of all of this is that and it gets back to the whole notion of a sense of control and you don't have it you don't have control 
Well, everybody that gets abducted says that they're, they're like paralyzed. Right. You know? I mean, no, no. I mean, in the grand scheme of things. Oh, you mean overall control? Yeah. You, you do not have overall control. Think, random things will happen to you and it'll take you for a ride and it'll, it'll drop you off. And the thing is, is it, and here, here's a perfect analogy. We send deep sea divers and deep sea probes into the depths of the ocean. And we, we pluck, we, we pluck all kinds of like fish and, 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 and creatures mm-hmm. to study. Does it ever occur to us that, you know what, maybe he's got a family, you know, <laughs> maybe he's got a wife and kids that he's trying to support. Yeah, is, you know, are we taking a sentient being out of its environment right. and, and, you know, doing whatever we do to it, eat right. it or whatever, you know. And it never occurs to us that, may, you know, may, maybe, I mean, I know that they hit, probably not, but the thing is, is it, we don't even oh, yeah, think no. about we it. We don't know. We don't sure. even think about it when we pull fish out of the ocean and stuff like that. It's, it, I mean, it's no different than an advanced civilization, thousands of years beyond our comprehension, sending, um, sending a small crew to earth and say, hey, you know, what's going on with the reproductive system in, in, in this species of mammal on this little blue dot to check it out. Don't get caught this time. You know what I mean? Uh, Who's to say, who's to say that an advanced species, thousands of years more advanced than us, was just like, you know, Hey, let's, let's take a, let's take a survey of all the sentient mammals in this part of the galaxy. Let's take a look and see what their reproductive organs look like. Listen, we, we send people to, you know, to other crap. We, we, how many shows have we done about sending scientists to Antarctica to study what's going on with the ice? Mm-hmm. You know, without even a second thought. And it was just like that once upon a time. 100, 200 years ago, it would be impossible to think that you could send somebody to Antarctica for a week and have them come back, you know, within our lifetime. And and know with certainty, there's a 99.999% chance that person's going to come back. There was a time that that was impossible. The idea of sending somebody to, you know, to go to Antarctica and back within two weeks or maybe a month is was impossible. Now we think about it as, eh, you know. John Kerry's going to take a day off from work and go and see what's going on, you know, with global warming down in Antarctica. Doesn't after, even after he after he leaves the Skull and Bones Club. Exactly, he's you know, he wouldn't um, even think yeah, about. Yeah, so it. you know, one of the questions I had, um, I was going to ask Ryan, and we hopefully we can ask him the next time or when he comes on, is um, are are these people taken at random, or, or are they chosen for a certain reason? Yeah. Um, and I think that's a really legitimate question. What? What? Um, and some people apparently are abducted repeatedly, beginning when they're young kids, all the way, you know, through adulthood. Yeah. Um, so what's behind that? Why? You know, why are they? <clears throat> why are they repeatedly? You know, are they? Um, well, one of one of the incidences in the book, and again, I don't want to go too Let's far. Let's not spoil it. Yeah. Because I don't want to spoil it, but there was a guy that was abducted, um, young guy. <clears throat> and at the end, one of the nice things that Ryan did at the end of each sequence, he would sort of give the person's spin, or yeah. like the, like a quote from the person, or uh, what the person thought about the whole thing, right. you know, what, on a personal level. 
So this one guy actually said that he thought that people were chosen based on their DNA, um, which you know kind of kind of makes sense with some of the things we've talked about in the past. You know, with the uh, get the get the bell ready, Eric, with the Anunnaki yep. experimenting um, with our DNA. And, and at some point injecting some of their DNA into into our DNA to kind of hybridize us. Yeah. So, you know, are these people being abducted to see what's going on with, with the, you know, with this interjection of DNA? Yeah. How is it impacting them? And you know, is, maybe that's part of the whole thing. Right. I don't know. This, this guy seemed very, <clears throat> very intent on that notion that yeah it, it was a dna thing that that's what it had to do with um i wonder i've questioned um are the people who just see yeah. ufos are they chosen somehow yeah um, are they are they there all the time and some people just you know maybe i could go out on my rooftop deck tonight and look out and see nothing and um you might come over and look out and say well don't you see that exactly you know? Another, maybe they're maybe they're on a certain frequency, um, a light frequency that some yeah. people can't see, or maybe it's a it's a psychic frequency. Yeah, I don't know. I want to get Ryan's spin on that anyway. We'll see see what he says about that. He, I'm sure he has a theory on that. Um, yeah, as to why that is. Um, I don't know. What do you? What's your? What are your thoughts on that? One of the aspects that uh, Micah Hanks brought up in the introduction. Is, Which was great, by the way. Oh my that, god, that was a nice piece of writing. Yeah, that was a nice piece of writing. He was Ryan was lucky to get him to do that. Right. Um, he's you know he's the guy that I gave you the um, the book on using the force. Yeah. Did you realize that? No, I did not he's know the, that. See, there you yeah, go. I just learned something. He's the one that he's the one that wrote that. I gave that to you for Christmas or something, didn't it? Didn't it? Yeah. Yes, you did. It was um, it was on how to use the use using the force. Um. Oh wait. I'm sorry. I got I got that mixed up. That's not the same guy. They're both from North Carolina, but that's okay. not the same guy. Okay. His name is Warren. All right. I was just looking in my library. Okay. But anyway, it's 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 a very nice piece of writing. The introduction. Here's one of the things that it was. We have a hard time grasping because mm-hmm. the thing is, is that our reality is based on our five or six senses. Our reality is based upon what what we see what we hear what we touch what we feel all of the taste the whole the whole package and the thing is is that is this what reality really is because the thing is is that our eyes and ears operate within certain frequencies our Mm -hmm. ears operate at a certain at a very narrow band frequency of along the audio spectrum Visually, our eyes can only receive a very narrow band within the light spectrum. And our entire reality is based on this very, very, very narrow band. And the way and that we the way that we touch, the way that we feel. And the thing is that it was and the thing is, is that we we keep receiving these signals consistently. 
Like the thing is, is that the pictures of my wall, when the light bounces off of these pictures off the wall and reaches my eyes, and my brain interprets it in a certain way, it's consistent. And, it, and, it, and we, it receives these signals at a, at a consistent rate. And of course, the, I get an idea that, well, this is what reality really is. Not knowing that there's x-rays and gamma rays and infrared, a whole, whole other gamut. And the thing is, is that how do we know that there aren't things happening all the time, all around us on a mm -hmm. spectrum that we have no idea even exists? And it could be beyond sight, sound, and touch or thought. Yeah, it could be. It could be another dimension almost. It could be. And how we're facing with ours? And and how do we not know that somehow some of these strange phenomenon somehow emit this daily? hourly things that happen on every second how do we know that there aren't things constantly flying in the sky there are there aren't constant ufos flying in the sky we can't see them because we don't see in that spectrum but somehow there's some kind of like there's a glitch there's some kind of a strange anomaly and they do admit the light or sound at a frequency that we can understand and receive and then all of a sudden right. Oh wow, my my reality has just been expanded tenfold. How do we know that we we don't live in a more complex universe that's beyond our literal perception? Right. Well, I've heard people talk about um, using night vision goggles. Um, yeah. Actually, I heard uh, George Nuri was talking about this one night on Coast to Coast, and people say that they go um, somewhere where there's not a lot of light pollution. Right. And put these night vision goggles on and they're able to see stuff flying around, you know, all, <laughs> yeah. you know, all over the place. So, <laughs> yeah. So that kind of proves what you're saying, I think, is that um, maybe it's at a different light spectrum. And um, for whatever reason, our most people's normal vision does not is not sensitive to that. And maybe the night vision goggles opens up that uh, opens up that channel or that, you know, ability to to see the light at that spectrum. Uh, another thought along those lines is, is do they have some kind of cloaking devices, you know, that, that mask their light transmission, but for some reason, some people can see past that. You know, that's, that's something that I think, that's, some, that's another thing I wanted to ask Ryan about, if he had right. any thoughts on that, you know. So that's an interesting concept too. Um, but, you know, that, I think what what the general overall viewpoint is is that these things are here, um, but what's the reality behind them being here? You know what what what's the actuality of it? What's you know? I mean, they're not just here, just kind of like flying around and like saying, "Oh, did you see that? Did you see that?" Yeah, exactly. you know, there's got to be something more there than um, it, and why. You know, why are they just sort of giving us glimpses here and there of yeah. their existence? You know, that's the thing that intrigues me, I guess. Yeah. Um, hard to say. Yeah. I, I, and, um, you know, the thing is, is like there's a, there's a lot of other things that um, that I wanted to talk about in, you know, with everything that is going on in the realm of the paranormal. And I want to do a kind of like a follow up on a one story in particular. I wanted to talk about the the lost Malaysian flight. I'm trying to. I'm just trying to find. 
Oh, wouldn't you know it? I would not. Is that have. the one that was? That's not the one that was shot down, is it? It's, it's the one that just up and disappeared. Not the not the one that oh. was not the Malaysian flight that was shot down over, you know. Um, oh, geez. Over the, you, you, over Ukraine. Ukraine. So I'm talking about the one that was the the flight, the Malaysian flight. Oh, I didn't hear about that. I guess I didn't. I don't remember it. Was that recently? It's. I'm, I'm looking at here the Malaysian. Uh, Malaysian flight MH370 search for missing plane heads to one last point of interest. We how long have we been looking for this airplane? How long how long we've we been looking well, I know where it's where it is. Where do you think it is? It's in the Twilight Zone. <laughs> <laughs> That's a Twilight Zone episode right there. That 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 is. And the thing is it is like and it the this this airplane disappeared four years ago. And the thing is, is that no trace of it. And there's no trace of it. And the thing is, is it and and I'll ask this again. And and this happens. I mean, we have this conversation, an ongoing theme of mine on the metaphysical connection is the the notion is that somewhere here in the United States, roughly around half a million people go missing and are never seen again. And we, it's, we don't talk about it is a topic. We just don't talk about it. And here's another story. Whereas uh, this airplane, Malaysian flight 370, just it just disappeared. And of course, now after four years, we've exhausted all but one place where this airplane may have disappeared to. Was it's, it over land? You know, or was it over? It was the over water? No, nobody knows. It was. It was hmm. allegedly. It was flying over the ocean, in in the Indian Ocean, and it just up and disappeared. And it was just like, how how do airplanes simply just disappear like this? Yeah, good question. I'm gonna read this. Um, I'm gonna do. I don't know. I, I was joking about the Twilight Zone, but do you remember the episode where the um, the plane flew through some kind of a time warp? Yeah, exactly. And, you know, and, and they were dinosaurs. looking down, and it was yeah. it was in the in the past. Yeah. Um, so they they you know it, it's kind of a cool idea when you think about it. I mean. Who knows? <laughs> we don't know. Like you said, there's there's a lot of stuff out there that we don't we just don't have a grasp on. Well, I'm going to I'm, I'm just going to read this to you. There's a video attached to it. I, I don't we don't have the rights to attach this from CNN, but I'll send the link to it. Search for missing jetliner ends after four years. The search for Malaysian airliner flight. MH370 will end after more than four years at a cost of tens of millions of dollars spent with no clue as to what happened to the ill-fated plane. I'm sorry, but the thing is, is it when do you call off a search for missing people? When do you? Well, call- at some point, you have to. I mean, you can't really just let it go on ad infinitum. Well, what's the point? Well. I mean, I'm just gonna. I'm just gonna. Let's just let's just throw me under the bus. If I was on an airplane that up and disappeared like this, mm-hmm. would my friends and family quit looking for me? I mean, I wouldn't want it to become an obsession for you people to figure out where the hell did Eric go. The thing is, is is that it, it probably quit after two days, Eric. <laughs> <laughs> well, if it was me, yeah, maybe and I could. I can I hear your son saying, "You think it's okay if I use if I take Dad's computer into my room now?" 
Yeah. <laughs> Carol converted. And your other son would say, I'm getting the fedoras. <laughs> I'm taking dad's hat. You know. And it was like, yeah, too bad dad wore one with him when he died on that airplane. Yeah, we would have had one extra. We would have had the summer fedora. <laughs> and CNN has this great coverage. They have these 15 videos that I think that people people should take a look at. And it was just like, think about the one person that you love as much as life. Think about somebody that you love as much as, you know, people other than, who... Other than yourself. You mean? Other than myself. Other than, right. Right. I, it's, it's hard to imagine. I know. But the it, thing, it is. But, but I mean... Anyway, if, we'll try. If, if, that, if that was... If my wife was on that airplane and it absolutely up and disappeared, when would I ever stop looking if it was my son... If my son was on this airplane, when would I stop looking? Well, isn't there a point where you have to, at some point, accept the fact that they're probably not going to be found and you kind of have to move on with your life? I mean, I don't know. I don't. If what it, is that point? You know, what is that point? It, that, there, there's an interest. There's an interesting show. Um, I forget the name of it now. Um, The show is not as interesting as the concept, but this woman was abducted. Um, She was an FBI agent or something. She was abducted for six years. Yeah. And her husband, who I think was also an FBI agent, sort of accepted the fact that she wasn't coming back, you know, after six years. And he got remarried, and and, um, his, his son, who he had had with his original wife, was you know, kind of assimilated into the family. And, and all of a sudden one day she shows up, you know, she's back. So yeah. it's, it's kind of interesting when you, when you think about that. Now that's not a new idea. It's, it's no, it's been done. Idea. It's been, it's been done. But, but Where do you draw the line on that? You know, where do you say that? Is it one year? Is it five years? Is it 10 years? I mean, at some point you have to say, well, you know, for all intents and purposes, this person is is gone for good. You know, when when do you draw that? I guess everybody has a different line on that. Maybe I don't know. I think I think the TV show was called uh, Missing. It's a Canadian TV show, maybe. No, that's not the show. I I do know of that show, and that's okay. That's a similar kind of show. I mean, there, there was another even more interesting show where it was a French show that was. Um, I forget the French title, but um, right. it was kind of the same thing. And and these people came back; they were they were dead, and they they right. all just kind of showed up one day, like you know, in the you know they were they were dead and buried. They weren't yeah. missing. They were you know they had they had document they were documentedly dead. You know, yeah. And all of a sudden they just showed up. So you know, which was which was kind of even more interesting, I think. But but I I don't know. I don't know where you. Where you go with that? I mean, where could the plane? Po- I mean, where could it possibly be, Eric? If you know, how could those people still be alive after all this time? There's no no real possibility of that. Do you think? God, I don't know. I mean, are they? I mean, you, hate, you hate to give up on your on your loved ones, but at some point, reality has to set in. You know, I Here's, mean, if they were alive, unless they were on some desert island somewhere. You know, they're probably not alive anymore. Kind of have to accept that. Or they went into some other alternative universe or something. You know, I mean, I could accept that. I could live with that. Because, I mean, think about, I'm thinking about my son right now. 
Mm-hmm. And I'm thinking, like, if he was on one of those airplanes, if he was on that airplane and it up and disappeared, I don't think I would ever get over it. I don't think I would ever be able to let go. I, well, I, I don't think I, you ever really get over the loss. I, I, think, I mean, you, you, you accept it and you move on. You don't really ever get over it. Whether, you know, you killed in an automobile accident or whatever the cause is, I don't think you ever are the same after that. You don't just blank it out of your mind and say, oh, well, you know, yeah. I don't want to think about that anymore. You know, maybe some people try to do that, but it doesn't really work very well. So anyway, before we uh, close out for the day, I wanted to ask you um, if you've, and I'm sure you've noted it, the um, reopening of the RFK assassination. Yeah, I actually wanted to, that's a, a topic for another show. And I thought, well, I don't know if we're Robert F. Kennedy Jr., and I, I don't know what to think of him. I think he is absolutely, totally brilliant. I think that some of the things that he said about how our democracy is hacked and how people are... Are, are you the, talking about the son? Yeah, I'm talking it's, about the RF, RF, RFK's son. RFK, RFK Jr. Yeah, okay. Uh, the, 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 the writing that he has written about how both parties have hijacked the elections. This is from, this is from the guy whose uncle and father and, and grandfather probably stole the 1960 presidential election um yeah for for him to come out and say we need to take a better look at how we elect presidents here in the united states i think his work is brilliant i don't agree with everything that he says but he makes points that i cannot shake no i'm talking about the uh, reopening the investigation in rfk's assassination i was getting to that he oh, okay. had I, said, I didn't, see the, "I didn't see the connection." Because the mean, thing I'm is, I'm, 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 I'm throwing down his credentials. I'm throwing okay. down. I'm, what I'm trying to do is, I'm trying to lay down. Because the thing is, is that for him to come out and he is, I think he's very credible on this one topic of how elections have been. Talking about the RF, RFK assassination, this gets this gets back to another thing that I that I have written. Roger Stone also mentioned this in one of his books about Richard Nixon, talking about how Richard Nixon and Robert Kennedy Sr. had a gentleman's agreement. No matter what happened in the 19, was it, was it the 1968 election? Whatever happened, um, they were going to reopen John Kennedy's assassination. They were also going to reopen what happened to uh, Martin Luther Nixon, King. Nixon agreed to that? Nixon allegedly, according to Roger Stone, yeah. that's, hard to, that's hard to imagine, had said that, because Richard Nixon had uh, some conversations with Dwight Eisenhower talking about the whole military-industrial complex. Mm-hmm. And, and had said, there's something, there's something, about, there's something about this that's, that's wrong. And apparently the very same day that they had that conversation, RFK was killed. And uh, Michael Kennedy, who was a bit of a screw up, he never got over. He never got over the fact that his dad was assassinated. He lived his life fast and loose. He did some things that were very questionable with underage girls when he was a married man. Well, that's man. not uncommon in the Kennedy family. That's not, that's not uncommon. But the thing is, is that nobody in the family believed that it was just Sirhan Sirhan. Nobody in his family believed it was just one guy. Well, the, the, the spin I have on it is there, there was a guy who um, was present at the event when RFK was, was shot. And I think he might've been wounded actually. Even. 
But he was saying that um, there's no way that Sirhan Sirhan was the actual assassin because he, he was in front of Kennedy, and he was shot in the he was shot in the back, and he, and he was saying there were there were multiple shots that were fired, and there was just so much confusion that people had everything confused. Um, but this guy's been pushing. He's 94 now. He's he's been pushing. I forget, his name escapes me at the moment, but um, he was a Kennedy aide or something at the. Um, and he was right there. I mean, he was right on the scene. And he's been trying for years to get this thing reopened because he, he said that it was it was just swept under the rug. It was never, never, the facts were never really brought out. And Robert Kennedy Jr. has now gotten to the point where he agrees with him that, you know, that the facts have been <clears throat> just... Not not accurately portrayed. I might I and might so be that's, wrong. So that's what was the real motivating force behind this whole thing getting reopened again. And I personally, I I think Sirhan Sirhan was a um, Manchurian candidate, just like Oswald was. Yeah. And, and they he was he was set up and he was brainwashed. Or he was something done to him. I don't know much about his his past, but he has always said always said that he doesn't remember doing it. Always, always, always. Um, <clears throat> he pled guilty because only because they offered him a life sentence rather than um, uh, being executed, which at the time was still legal in, in California yeah. back then. So, um, you know, I don't know. It's pretty it's pretty interesting, I think. I'm, I'm really looking forward to it. But, you know, again, hoping that something really comes out of it and it's just not another whitewash as it as it usually is you know i just because the thing is that it was just like i i can't believe between you and me mm-hmm. i ca- i cannot and, and, be- our list, and our listeners and our listeners and everybody knows i love a good conspiracy theory i and i love sitting by the campfire telling ghost stories whatever by the way i want to finish out the show with a with a ghost story um wow. So the thing is, it was, uh, I can't believe that that the assassination of Robert Kennedy and the assassination of his brother, um, what was it? Was it, was it five years? Was it five years earlier? Was, yeah, 68. 68. So it was five years. Yeah. Yeah. I can't, I can't believe the two weren't related. I, 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 I mean, that's, there's no, nobody could, could convince me that those two things, and, and. The Martin Luther King assassination as well. They're all connected. They they were, you know, I, I don't want to go too heavily into the <laughs> the esoteric end of this, but you know, I I believe they were ritualistic murders um, to to get satanic power from whoever the group is that um, is behind it. I I just. It, it. I just get goosebumps thinking about the notion that this that these things happened, and it's like, and we're talking about like seeing things on a different spectrum from everybody else earlier in the show. I can't believe that people are not like looking at this and saying, "Really, really?" Because because what what did what did Bobby Kennedy wanted to pick up where his brother left off in looking at in corruption within the federal government. And he and he was going to go after some sacred cows. Just oh, like yeah. he, just oh, like yeah. he, he was he had big plans for that. Um my wife actually um shook hands with him. He she was living in Philadelphia. Yeah. 
um, when he was running. This was probably sometime in 68, I guess. And she was walking down the street, and he, he came by in an open um, convertible. And he was, you know, waving to people, and, and she, she actually went up and shook his head. She said he was one of the most beautiful males she's yep. ever seen. Yeah. Present company excluded. But um, at the point, so um, yeah. he had a lot of charisma. My point is, he had a lot of charisma. And you know what? Had he been elected president, I'm sorry, this country would be a whole different country now than, than it is now. I just he, he he would have he would have changed a lot of things. I think the national psyche would be different than painfully what it is now. I th- my belief anyway. That's my personal belief. But anyway i i just i mean to this to this day walt to this day i think that there's something really for there's something ugly going on here in our country oh yeah you know absolutely and it was and you know that was a statement it was a statement it was like see what we can do yeah it was like you were talking before about um you know people's perception of things what that did was it it was a blatant act that said, see, you're not in power. You're not in control of anything. We're in control. Exactly. That, that's what the in- inference was. And the, Again, my opinion. And, I, the way that it ha- my, and the way that it happened. It yeah, was very yeah, it was, sort it of It was like, a massacre. It was a, it was a, it was a um, murder of the king. It was yeah. a murder of the king. Yeah. So, okay, we're, I guess we're getting ready to wrap up. So you have a ghost story? So, I, get, ghost I, story I, so I, have a, I have a bit of a ghost story. So as everybody Should knows. I turn the lights out? And turn the lights down. The shades? It was a dark and stormy night. Eric was driving for Lyft when he came upon. This is Eric's ghost story voice, by the way. Exactly. It's also, it's also my seduction voice. Uh, hey, hey. Yeah, we, won't, we won't go there. Would you like to see my etchings up in my room? Um, so the thing is, I'm, I'm, I'm driving for Lyft, and I, and I, and I pick up this great couple. And, um, and they're, they're, they're on, they take a vacation day. And... Uh, and I picked him up at, at, at Walden Pond. And we were just talking. I says, well, what do you guys do? And he said what he does for a living. And she says what she does for a living. And, and, that, and uh, they're taking the day. And they said, well, of course. Well what, what, well, what do you do? And I said, well, one of the things I do is, is that I have a podcast talking about the supernatural. And they said, oh, do you talk a lot about, like, ghost stories and stuff like that? And um, where, where do we, you know... Where do we listen to your your, your podcast? Of course, I and, I and I told them, and I told them about this experience about when I was lost delivering flowers, um, uh, one one semester when I was in college way back in in, in the early nineties, and I and I got lost and I went into this antique store and and I ran in this woman who was there and she says, "Can I help you, my dear?" And I says, "I'm lost." And she says, "Oh, that happens all the time." Here, let me give you the instructions. You need to go back on the road and you need to take a left and then take a right over by where this old barn used to be, but it's not there anymore, but you should be able to see the foundation and then take a couple of miles and then and then you'll be back on the main highway and you should be fine, dear. I said, well, thank you. Thank you very much. And, I, um, and I'm looking around because I haven't bought a gift for my girlfriend's mother yet. And I'm looking around the antique store and, and the, on the other side of of the building this guy comes in and says can i help you and i says oh i was lost but this this old lady old lady I, I guess she's your mom grandmother maybe she explained to me and he says there's nobody here but me i said what there's nobody here but you and he says yeah and he says you know you college kids you come in here and you're telling me that there's somebody here it's is this some kind of a prank are you are you pulling my leg there's nobody here 
And I, I, I just bought this antique store. I've lived here for about six months. I haven't seen anything weird yet. You guys, get the hell out of here, okay? I've had enough of this, this ghost story prank BS. And I, and I go, and I, I, after I thank the guy for his time, and I go back, and I get back in the car, and I hear the voice of this old woman crackling, laughing, behind me in the back seat and I turn around and there's nothing there there's nobody there it's an empty seat and of course the couple that I'm taught telling the story to they're like all like ooh that's all creeped out and and they say um so hey uh you know are there any other locations nearby where we can go and maybe experience some 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 ghost stories of our own do you know of any haunted locations where I am and wouldn't you know it the lift at tells me to drop them off at the Colonial Inn in the center, Concord, Massachusetts, probably notorious, one of the most haunted places in all of Eastern Massachusetts. And I'm just kind of like, and then, uh, and I dropped them off. I says, this is, this is it. This is the place. You can't get any more haunted than this, this close to Boston. And, um, and as I, I dropped them off, and as I'm driving up, dropping them off, I hear this one other couple had said, honey, I'm telling you, I did not move your shoes in your purse in our room. I have no idea how they got there. <laughs> and of course, they're like looking at me like, ooh, you know, and it's like, maybe we should stay here another night. And here, so here's a question for you. Why do people love going and staying in haunted houses? I, I don't know. I guess they want to experience that phenomenon. Yeah. I would imagine. Yeah. It, it's interesting. So. All right. So I've got to sign off now, Eric. You, you made me wet my pants. <laughs> <laughs> it's that third cup of coffee, Walt, that you had. No, it was the quality of your ghost story. <laughs> <laughs> This has been the Metaphysical Connection podcast from the Fedora Chronicles Network. Don't forget to subscribe to this podcast via iTunes, Google Play, or Player FM. You can find our podcast via your Apple, Android, or Windows devices using those services and more. If your favorite podcast service or program doesn't feature us, let us know by shooting us an email via info at thefedorachronicles.com. That's also a great way to get in touch with Walt, Jim, and Eric, and let us know what you think of the podcast, as well as topic suggestions for a future show. If we use your suggestion, we'll send you a t-shirt or coffee mug. Just send along your size and preference with your email. You can be a part of the metaphysical connection between shows by joining us on our social media accounts. You can find us on Facebook by going to our metaphysical connection group and following us on Twitter at physics laxative. Most importantly, you can support the show by hitting the Patreon button on all of our show pages, metaphysicalpodcast.com. Patreons of the show get specials such as getting the podcast a day before the rest of the audience, heads up about future episodes and other exclusives. Want some Metaphysical Connection swag of your own? Get your own damn Metaphysical Connection coffee mugs, t-shirts, keychains, and barbecue aprons at our Zazzle page. My house is full of them. Yours should be too. Find them at www.zazzle.com slash Fedora Chronicles. Don't forget to check out our show sponsor, the Trinity Whip Company. Traditionally made kangaroo whips, top quality craftsmanship, in form as well as function. Handcrafted by Blake Brunning. Find his products at www.trinitywhipco.com. 
So for Walt, Jim, and Eric, this is Carol Fisk thanking you for listening and signing off. Until next time, keep your chin up and your bra, excuse me, fedora on.